Happy 4th of July, everybody, and welcome into a 4th of July edition of Texans All Access Summer Celebration Style. So we've got plenty for you tonight. We have our own Captain America, Brian Peters, who's going to join us on the show. We've also got a segment that we did during draft season each and every Wednesday night during the draft. I try and come up with, or in, in the draft season, if you will, I try and come up with a draft that Mark, DP, myself, and uh, Drew try and come up with a topic that we can incorporate into a draft. And so about 15 minutes before the segment we were going to record, I came up with the All-American Dude Draft and figured on July 4th, the most America of American dates, why not look back at our All-American Draft? Yeah, there were some misses, and obviously you can you can hit me up at Jay Harris Football on Twitter and let me know which ones we actually missed. But this was as fun a segment as we did. We had a great time doing that, and that was literally just off the top of the dome. And sometimes those are the best segments. So we'll have our own Captain America, Brian Peters. We'll have our All-American Dude Draft, and then we got two dudes that are hugely important to this defense or to this team in 2018, Bernardrick McKinney and Will Fuller. DP City had a chance to sit down with both of them during the season, and they don't – it's interesting because – Will is not a guy that says a whole heck of a lot, but when he does talk, it's very, very interesting. He's very interesting to listen to. And BMAC is starting to show that personality a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and he'll be around here for a lot longer after signing the contract extension earlier this spring. So let's kick it off with the Texans' own Captain America. And if you saw him, he looks like a superhero. He is a superhero. He's a special team superhero, and he has been for the last three years, and that's Brian Peters. During Texans media days, Mark Vanderman had a chance to catch up with the linebacker slash special teams player extraordinaire, Brian Peters. Brian Peters joining us in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. So how's it going? Fantastic. How you doing? Doing very well, Brian. Now, Ibrahim Campbell was in here, and he was talking about your college days. You were a safety. He's a safety. He's still a safety. You're not. Like, when did you make this transition, and how important did you feel position-wise it was to sort of evolve into a linebacker? Well, I evolved into a linebacker because they didn't let me play safety in the NFL. So it was kind of a, a forced evolution. But, yeah, I played safety in college, and then I made the transition because I, I played linebacker in the Arena League. I was playing safety in the UFL. And then in the CFL, I kind of played like a hybrid will linebacker safety where sometimes I play like a two high, uh, cover two defense, and I just play over the top, and then I'd come down to the box. So – uh, Canada was the seamless transition where I went from a pure safety to a linebacker, and then that's where I got my opportunity in the NFL. I love your story and how you campaigned for an NFL job. You eventually struck it. But let's go to the CFL for a moment here. How, for lack of a better word, weird is it to be in the CFL and play that brand of football? It's not an excessively different brand. You just got to learn the rules and play by their rules and uh, respect the culture and everything because it it is a little bit different. But, again, it was, an, it was a tremendous experience for me. But the, the transition of the game, I mean, it's still not, it's not rocket surgery. You go in there, yeah. you tackle a guy with the ball. If the ball's in there, knock it down. It's not, it's not going <laughs> to – there's no game-changing thing besides, like, the halo rule where you can't be within five yards of a guy on special teams. Right. Like, line of scrimmage. 
And then the forward motion doesn't apply to linebackers as much because the running backs usually stay in the backfield, and those are the guys you're covering. Other than that, you're a zone defense underneath outside. So it, it, for, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a big difference on special teams to special teams. Like you, you play with leverage, you play fast and play violent. Like you can be successful up there. Wait, what about the punt in the end zone thing? It's Ooh, the rouge? The rouge point. So yeah. uh, there's no touchbacks. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a touchback, but you secede a point. So it's a point for a touchback. So if you get uh, at the end of a game, if you got a tie score – and they're kind of within like field goal, 50 yard range, whatever. The punting team will try and punt it into the end zone and get a rouge point and win the game by one point. Right. So the end zones are 20 yards. So to play defense against that, we have three. Like this is like a weird scenario. It happens like once every two years, three years up there. So we have three guys picket fence on the back of the end zone, and mm-hmm. once they kick the ball. Uh, again, they have the five-yard halo rule, and they'll get it. And the guy, the guys in the end zone, we punt it back out. So sometimes you'll get oh some, yeah. So it's a ridiculous play, but sometimes you'll get punts back and forth. Like you get three or four punts in a play in a play in one play. It's uh, absurd, but yeah, you can find it on some CFL highlights. But. So either have to do that or run it out of the end zone. As yeah. long as you get it to the one, then the game ends. Yeah, as long as there's enough time. Yeah. That's interesting. All right, now what about the UFL, that short-lived league, which only had about four to six teams. It was kind of strange. But, I mean, being in the NFL now, obviously this is the pinnacle. So you look back, what was that like? It was – I mean, that's obviously pure-blood American football. But at the same time, I'm playing safety, and I had did a tryout there Mm -hmm. a few weeks prior to joining that team. And I was playing well, and then the NFL had their cuts. And right. then they basically cleaned shop in the safety room. We lost um, three of the four safeties, and I was one of the guys cut as well. Right. And I'm just I'm sitting in Omaha, Nebraska. I was playing for the Omaha Nighthawks at the time, and I'm just like, is football over? Like I right. like, like I'm, I'm I'm crushed after getting cut from there. A, a team that team in the league I didn't want to be part of in particular. That wasn't the initial dream, but mm-hmm. the, the more I grew into it and grew through that path, it was it was just a stepping stone, and it helps me appreciate where I'm at for sure. Brian Peters joining us. One more memory memory, memory. lane I'll talk question. memory lane all the time. Playing in the AFL, arena ball. So what is that like? We talked about the CFL differences. Now you're in a hockey rink playing football on a carpet. It was fun. It was <laughs> it was an absolute blast. I still I still want to say like those are some of the funnest games I've ever played in football because mm-hmm. it's just it's super fast paced. Mm-hmm. You have the forward motion in a small area, and I'm playing this jack linebacker position where literally. So I'm there for the last four weeks of the season. So yeah. like they, they taught me quick, and I play this jack linebacker position where I start on the weak side of the field and I run to the strong side of the field, and anything that crosses my face, I hit you. Whether right. it's a running back, it's a receiver, or then if it ends up being an outside play, I'm going and slamming people into the walls. And you're slamming people sometimes over the wall, and you got people in the front row pouring beer on you, talking crap too. So just it's, it's a fun environment. And then like the kickoffs and that kind of thing are just super, super fast-paced. It's just a little bit quicker game, but it's kind of like – Backyard football is not a good analogy for it, but it's just kind of like because there's not like the defensive line, offensive line. That's not a huge part of the game. Running is right. not a huge part of the game, so it just it's just fast paced, bang bang bang. It's football. More like tackle flag football, yeah, it's, or something it, like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's for the future. It's super short attention spans. Like you'll have something to watch. Mm-hmm. Lots of scoring. Yeah, lots of scoring. Offensive game. Weird skinny little field goals inside. Um, but yeah. Just another stepping stone. So you've been around here for a while. What do you make of the changes here, the building with strength and conditioning, the sports performance center, and also nutrition? Uh, it's been amazing so far. It's a def- it's definitely different from what we've had in the past, and uh, everybody's got to adapt and learn, and uh, they bring a great culture into the into the building. So I- I've loved it so far. Obviously, they uh, they – 
they kind of they use an analogy sometimes where they treat you like a car. You build you the suspension first, so you're, you're building your your core strength, your glutes, your functional movement, and then you then you start to add weight and you start to build uh, the player and the athlete. And um, so far, so good. Like I, I couldn't be happier. Like the the strength and improvements and my my mobility has improved drastically. So then I, also from the nutrition standpoint, um, Lad's been fantastic. Um, I, I don't know, even know what his full name is. Right. I, I call him Ladarius, but um, that's definitely not his name. But uh, he, he obviously they. I'm pretty supplement based. I, I enjoy my uh, fair share of supplements. So uh, I've had a few conversations with him, and he's incredibly intelligent. And then obviously the the quick turnaround between like the smoothie centers we have going, the, like the post and pre workout mm-hmm. uh, feeling we have, it's been. I, I think it's improved exponentially is his philosophy to do it more through food than like to take a to take a vitamin b tablet versus eat a lot of food with vitamin b or i know that's oversimplifying it but is that it um yeah uh definitely definitely food first you need to prioritize Mm -hmm. food and proper nutrition first and then the the gains you get from supplements are very marginal but um from my standpoint how i approach my profession and how i approach my brand as a football player I, it's basically the accrual of marginal gains. Like I, I want as many little edges as I can get, whether it's supplements or a recovery tactic. That's just kind of what got me to my edge to even get my foot in the door. Like even when I was in Canada, I was chasing edges to beat the guys in my in my position room. I was mm-hmm. chasing to be the best special teamer up there, then the best linebacker. It just, I, I think my philosophy has always been kind of chase edges, and that that comes from supplements, extra work taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, watching film, all that all that adds up, and all those little 1% or .001% is going to add up and hopefully keep me around and living the dream for a little while. Brian Peters joining us. All right, so you're on the same team with 90 guys, 89 guys, other guys, whatever the number is really accurately, but it's a competitive situation to get down to the 53. So what is that dynamic like? I mean, you're with all these guys, and you're all brothers and teammates, yet you're competing against some of them, obviously, to make it down to that 53-man roster. Yeah, and every year the 53-man roster is different, too. Like, it's not like, oh, there's four inside linebackers, and that's how it's going to be. No, sometimes there's five inside linebackers and three tight ends and X amount of receivers, no line and D line. It's just so you can never kind of gauge it so you don't – especially from a special team standpoint, you're competing against everybody on the field because everybody can play special teams, offense and defense. And then defensively, you're obviously competing against the guys directly. You see the depth chart. You see the people you're, uh, you're facing every day. And then sometimes those people match up against you in drills or they match up against you on special teams. And you start, I mean, you start differentiating yourself. And that's just kind of the, the belly of the beast. And I, I think it goes to some of the core values and the culture we have here. You've got to earn everything here. Mm-hmm. You've got to earn the right to win. And how we approach that. Um, I mean, there's some somebody's always gonna stop you from getting what you want, whether they're on your team or uh, across the field from you. But you gotta earn every stat, you gotta earn every yard, you gotta you gotta earn absolutely everything in this league, and that's why I love it. Yeah, and you've got great experience and results that show that you've been able to do that. So that's gonna help you moving forward. I mean, do you see yourself as a veteran now? And they're, they've got you in the crosshairs. They want your job. I mean, how do you look at it like that? Oh, definitely. Like, I, like from from the get go, like I, I'm I'm just extremely competitive in general. But I mean, I've been cut four times. I, like, I understand mm-hmm. how it works. I understand the power of first impressions. I understand the the importance of consistency. All those things add up. And the, again, it's those those marginal gains where you you chase these edges and you, you look good on this play, or you run longer on this play. You hustle. You punch the ball out, or you just get a punch on the ball where other guys stop. And you just mm-hmm. – I, I chase all those little edges because I, I want to stay. And I, I, I love the football lifestyle. I love the off season. I love the training. I love the locker room. I want to be on the 53 every year. And all that stuff just 
that's my motivation. It's a picture, and then uh, I, I use different little things to fuel me uh, from books, and I got a good support system outside of football. Mm-hmm. But then it's it, it's it's little things where like sometimes they'll leave your name off of a list, and like oh they don't talk about me here. You're like all right, uh, uh, they're gonna talk to me. Like you feel spited sometimes, and that that's where I I steal motivation wherever I can get it. So mm-hmm. anything to get that edge. Yep. Again. What about Houston? How have you grown or changed as a Houston resident since you've gotten here? Uh, do you know my Houston story so far? I, I've I think I, so, oh yeah. So I've I've been here. You flooded out. Yeah. So I, well, I've been here for not even three years yet. I've been here for three football seasons, but mm-hmm. I haven't been here for three years yet. And I've lived in. Uh, so I live with John Simon. Then I moved into the apartments above the Cookie Joint. Mm-hmm. Then I moved into Arium City Lakes. Then I moved into a house that flooded from Harvey, and then I moved into a house in Rice Village, um, re- again, renting all these, and uh, that house had a family of possums living inside the home. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Oh, that's a fantastic story. Uh, <laughs> but so, and then, so now I uh, I put everything in storage after I had another, so I got all the possums out. Initially, I trapped three in the house myself with a golf club and a box, and then after that, I put everything in storage, and I kind of traveled around a little bit. I went to Minnesota to train. I went back home into Ohio to train a little bit. Then I came back here and uh, started renting a house. And again, so yeah, so I, no I, possums this time. No possums yet. Okay, so a family of possums, like big ones. Yeah. So like uh, there was a mommy and a daddy, and they were pretty big. So uh, the first one I saw was smaller, and then the, the next ones, I guess the mom, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, then another one was a little one, but then they were just. There's, you can hear it scraping on the walls. It was ridiculous. But so, like, I'm probably – I've been in the house for maybe a week. And I'd seen, like, some, like kind of some, like, droppings. So I called the landlord, mm-hmm. raised some hell. But I'll just get to the good part of the story. So I wake up <laughs> to use the restroom uh, uh, maybe a week into the stay. And I, I look I look out the bathroom door, and this just a full-grown possum just walks right by the by the window, strolls casually, like, winks at me, and then <laughs> walks then walks into my bedroom. Oh, yeah. Walks in my bedroom. I'm just like – Gonna go take a nap. Yeah, what am I supposed? And this is like at midnight, so and I, I'm just standing there in my panties. I I go get my my golf club and my boots on. I was like, all right, let, let's go, bud. So, uh, got a box, uh, shuffled them into a box, and then so I was pretty I was pretty pumped. Oh, I got the possum out of the house. And yeah, I'm doing good. And then so I put my golf club in uh in the corner of the bedroom, uh, and I go back to sleep. And I'm still kind of like heart rate is up a little bit. I was running. Yeah, like, sure. They're running on my bed, so. Uh-huh. So I put my golf club in the corner, and I go to sleep. About 20 minutes later, I hear scratch, scratching real close to my head. I'm like, what is going on? There's another one. So I flip on my little salt rock lamp, and the there's a possum hanging inverted from the golf club in the corner of my room. Oh, no. Yeah. Even This one's even bigger. So I was like, oh, my goodness. So I get up, throw my boots. I close the door, lock them in my room. Uh, go get my, another golf club, get the nine iron this time. <laughs> More loft. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so then trapped him and then threw them in a crate out back. Then exterminator ended up coming and then caught one more on a rat trap in my kitchen uh, a few days later. Every time that we've had an opportunity to talk to Brian Peters, there's one more layer peeled back after another. It's just, it's like an onion. It doesn't always make you cry, but it's so interesting to learn his story and the stories that he has. He's fantastic. He's great radio. Uh, he's a vital, vital piece on this team, given its special teams deficiencies the last few years. He's got some help around him now. Johnson Batamosi, a lot of the rookies, Justin Reed, will be factors on special teams. Brian Peters will end up being a huge component of special teams in 2018. So looking forward to seeing what he will do. Now, 
I would consider him an All-American dude. Who did Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty, and I draft in the All-American draft? The All-American dude draft is next right here on Texans All Access. Seeing as though it is a Wednesday evening and our Texans all-access summer celebration week, it's time for a replay of our All-American Dude Draft. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Glad to be with you this evening. Now, as I mentioned in the first segment, we tried to do a Wednesday night draft weekly. As much as we possibly could. And so I had one planned. I had Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty on tap to do the draft with me. And I couldn't come up with a topic. I just I was struggling. And then about 10 minutes beforehand, I thought, ooh, I got a good one. The All-American Dude Draft. I don't know what, what tipped me off. I don't know what my, what my trigger was. But, but, man, this would be a good one. Let's do this. And so we did. And it was pretty fantastic. We gave Mark Vandermeer the first pick. We went around the table. We snaked the draft. And we came up with five All-American dudes. How'd we do? Well, take a listen. Now, there's one stipulation. Okay. And only one. We must, of our five, have one football-connected individual on the list. Coach, player, however you want to go. I think you got to go more than one. Well, it's, just it's one. your draft. Just one. Your right. draft. Just, just one. All right, what are the other stipulations? Fictional, real, mo- whatever. Yep. Wow. Any, it's dead or no alive. No holds barred. Mm-hmm. Yep, dead or alive. Okay. No holds barred. I'm good. You All need right. to go first. I'm go going first? first? Yes. It can be anything you want for whatever reason. Ronald Reagan. I went double R. And Ronald Reagan, I mean, we're okay. talking about President of the United States of America. I think everybody agrees with especially, I'm not going to get political, but especially with what we're going on right now, a guy like that who can unite the country uh, was so important and would be so appreciated today. Mm-hmm. And Ronald Reagan, All-American dude. That's a good one. I like it. All right, He's Drew. my number one pick. That's good. Drew, you go second. Jason Bourne. I was... <clears throat> That's a good one. Jason he was Bourne. high on my board. Jason, Jason Bourne. Bourne is fantastic. Ronald Reagan's a nice choice, but Jason Bourne could beat up Ronald Reagan. Yeah, Even but with Reagan could, could get the entire military after and, him. And Bourne could elude the entire military. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's mine. He's great. Okay. You know, uh, it's funny because Bourne, to me, the whole series, even though James Bond still exists, and I was a James Bond geek when I was a kid, Bourne, to me, is like the new James Bond. I mean, yeah. that's that's a modern-era James Bond. Because the Cold War is over, Bond doesn't work as well as it used to. Grittier, tougher. Yeah, it's yeah. just it, it fits in with modern society better. It's already, what, a 15-year-old franchise, uh, but it's phenomenal. La- last thing on Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie The 13 Hours in Benghazi or that one. But oh, yeah, okay. Anyways, uh, one of the, the Rangers or SEALs who's helping protect him mm-hmm. says... How's, how are all the Jason Bournes doing downstairs talking about the diplomats? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was oh, just gosh. so funny because these were not Jason Bournes downstairs. Anyways, go ahead. All right. What do you got? My my first one, I think whenever I saw George C. Scott 
when I was little. Oh my gosh, I was going to go here Dude, too. I cannot believe this. George Patton. Oh. Oh, I thought and you were going to say that speech in, st- in front of the flag. Okay. I want George Patton's. You want Patton? He is the ultimate in badassery. And then it's a little bit of a surprise. And I know when you hear it, you're going to wait. He's not American. But, yes, he was. He was born in Chinatown, San Francisco. I'm taking the all-time, all-time badass Bruce Lee. That's good. It's good. I like it. American citizen Bruce Lee, huh? He's born born in America. born in America. That is outstanding. Born I did America, not went to University of Washington. I did not know this. Yes. He was Bruce Lee. Awesome. George Patton and Bruce Lee to start the off. Late Bruce Lee. You right, know, Drew. I think uh Vandermeer kind of started things off to help me out this help help me make this choice. I could mm-hmm. I'm more justified in making this choice. I went rugged ass kicker with my first. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Fred Rogers for my second. Mr. Rogers. And why is this? He is an All-American dude. Didn't he, he get the Presidential Medal of Freedom? Very true. I would hope so, man. Anyways, my wife and I were flipping uh, through Amazon about a week or so ago. We'd run out of stuff to watch. We see this documentary on him, and I was like, I haven't thought of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, in two decades. We watched it, and I was pretty amazed by what he did. And then we just kind of said, man, I wonder if the kids would like this. And so we found a few episodes, and the next morning when they got up, we were like, hey, we're going to watch something new. And they they just kind of like watched and they were mesmerized by it. So yeah. and then yesterday was his birthday. It would have been his ninetieth birthday. And there's there's a movie coming out this summer about him. And I watched the trailer and it's gonna get you choked up. But then Tom Hanks is gonna play him in a biopic. Oh, later. he is. So yeah, wow. Minus Mr. Rogers. Yeah, very good. All, All right. American dude. All right, Mark, you close round two, then you start round three. He could he could snake pecks. He speaking of snakes, he could like charm a snake. He could. All right, he Vince could. Lombardi. Because that'll be my football pick. I'm picking the greatest coach ever. Yeah. I'm picking a guy who could motivate mere mortal men to do extraordinary things. I think he would have been a tremendous coach in any era. Okay. I think he knew his players well. Uh, you know, you hear guys like Jerry Kramer talk about how tough he was and everything, and there's no question about his toughness. But I think Vince Lombardi is an any-era guy. That in this era, he would still motivate, he would still improve people, and he would understand the times are a little bit different. Don't forget, he was coaching in the 60s. And I know that it wasn't exactly Haight-Ashbury there in Green Bay, Wisconsin with that crew. But there was a sort of change of consciousness in the United States of America during that decade. And Lombardi, that was his era. Yep. So he absolutely found a way to fit in. I think he would be great today. He's an All-American dude. There is, on NFL Films, the timeline. And everybody forgets that Lombardi went to the Redskins in 1970 mm-hmm. and, or 1969. It's a phenomenal show. It's phenomenal. And it's just it's, Lombardi with the it's Redskins. just about Lombardi. Did they go to the, the playoffs for the first time in a long time with well, him? Well, I don't know if they went to the playoffs, but they had a winning record. For they the had a winning time. record. Yeah, okay. a long time. All right, you start round three. So you've got Ronald Reagan and Vince Lombardi. You've done pretty well. I'm going to go fictional again here for my third pick. We'll go fictional. Well, that, that would be your first fictional pick. My first fictional pick, but my third pick overall. Yeah, yeah. Because on the board, I have Ronald Reagan and Vince Lombardi. Right. But since you went Jason Bourne, I'm going to go Ethan Hunt of the Mission Impossible movies. Now, I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy. And I even balked, for those of you who are more seasoned, at the 
appalling lack of breaking format in the Mission Impossible series because they kill off Jim Phelps in the very first movie in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, who was Peter Graves in the series. And how could you ever do that? And as I'm saying this, I don't even want to make this pick, but I feel like I have to <laughs> because he's talented. He's a survivor. Right. He can get the job done. He is a he, he does embrace teamwork, even though... You know, he's out there as an individual a lot, like with his life on the line. Okay. There you you know who's talented, embraces teamwork, gets the job done, mm-hmm. but who's real and not made up? Who's that? My third choice, which is Chuck Yeager. Oh, the good pilot. One. He yeah. flew in what? World War Two, Korea. Broke the sound barrier. Vietnam. Broke the sound good. barrier a bunch of times. And there were other things about him too. I mean, he lasted a long day. He's still alive. He's, he's, he's still Twitter. alive. He's on Twitter, man. That's right. That's what I was thinking about, that he, I've seen him recently in some way that impressed me, and that he tweets Chuck freaking Jaeger. Yeah. He should be like the number two overall pick in this entire draft. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one, Drew. Thanks. I got to admit, Thanks. you hit that one out of the park. Um, snake time for you, John. Yeah, it is snake time. So I got, I got two of them here, and I still have to get my football pick. And I'm... I'm leaning towards a guy whose nickname was Concrete, and he served in our American military. He was the last of the two-way players in football. He is truly All-American, the late, great Chuck Charlie Bednarik. Oh, good one. Now, some people may not know who that is. Just think of... Well, we have a current Houston Texan who won an award named after him, mm-hmm. and that would be the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, won the Bednarik Award in yeah. college as the nation's best defensive player. There's yes. a few iconic photos of Chuck Bednarik. One of him, I think, smoking a cigar after the Eagles won their title, but yes. the more famous one is him. His over arm Frank Gifford. Pumped, yeah, after he... It's one of my favorite really pictures of all Gifford. time. Yeah. One of my favorite pictures. He's saying Absolutely. this game is over, but they thought he was talking. Is Frank Gifford making this draft? Probably nope. not. No. 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 Come on. No. Now, he is an all-American dude. I'll give I'm him just that. Kidding. But, I'm kidding. Uh, but, no, I'm, I'm the, not going to The stewardess video thing, whatever that was so, in the room, that, that eliminated him. You both have come up with... You both have come up with fictional characters in yours. I have yet to come up with one. Okay. But I'm going with one right here. Rambo. That's pretty good. Go with That's Rambo. a good one. Did yeah. you guys see the fourth Rambo when he goes to uh, Burma? I don't even know if I've watched the entire first Rambo. I just Rambo. know that I, I – He should. I've seen the yeah. first see, two. He's the first, see the first one and see the last one. I've seen the first see. one. Can I watch the first one with my 12-year-old? No, Probably not. No, no. But the, the, the second one, I remember seeing that when I was in junior high, and it was so vivid. And I'll never forget there was one scene. I mean, it was, it was him against – Everybody, and yet he's the guy who comes back against all, all Rambo. That's yeah. that's my last, that's my fourth pick. So I add him to George Patton, Bruce Lee, and Charlie Bickneric. Pretty Drew, good. Back up. to you. All right, I'm gonna go fictional again. I'm gonna go with Dalton from Roadhouse. Oh, good fictional pick, all <laughs> American dude. Pain don't hurt. <laughs> Dalton. What? What's so funny? Pain don't hurt. Is no, the line of the he's movie. practical. He's pick. practical. He carries around a spare, uh, full size spare in his car. He carries fantastic. around all his medical records. Yep, and he's nice to people, and when he has to stop yeah. being nice, he stops being nice. I think it's I think it's a great I think, pick. I think every guy looked at where he was living in that garage apartment, barn apartment thing, <laughs> and every guy loves that. Yeah, because like Doing that tai, tai Chi outside. Yeah, Kelly Lynch stops by, and you got the water outside now. Brad Wesley's place is across the water, and that's that's bothersome, no question. But it's also motivating at the same time. Yep. But I think every guy like sort of thinks, if I was alone, I'd want to live there. Peace. 
<laughs> I could work on my, yeah, the Tai Chi stuff. I could do all of that. But I don't know if I'd want to be a bouncer. Anyway. So you've got two picks. You end the fourth and you begin the fifth. So these are your last two picks. Oh, this is very difficult. This is very difficult. All-American dudes. You have gone with, Mark has gone with Ronald Reagan, Vince Lombardi, and Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. Drew has gone with Jason Bourne, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, Chuck Yeager, Dalton from Roadhouse. And I have gone with George Patton, Bruce Lee, Charlie Bednarik, and Rambo. All right. Part of me wants to pick Ted Nugent here because – he is the Motor City Madman. Yep. You know. Part of you wants to, but will you? I think you I'm going to do it. I think right. I'm going to go Ted Nugent. Right. Now, I know this is not going to be popular politically with a lot of people, and I don't want it to necessarily give away my political leanings because it really doesn't, okay? Right. But there's just something about Nugent that I love, that he's still going at this age. I hunt and eat and kill and eat yeah. everything I kill. <laughs> and I have backstrap. <laughs> Omelets for breakfast. <laughs> yes. He's an all-American dude. All right. Come on. That's exactly I what killed this it with a bow and, and here's the thing about Ted Nugent. He's kind of like when you think of environmentalist, you think of, you know, tree hugger or whatever the cliches are, right? Yeah, you but can, Nugent you can classify is an, him as a Yeah, you could You know, a lot of these guys like Nugent, these guys who would like prefer to live off the grid if they could. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're kind of environmentalists too. They're like, yeah, we want the nat- you know, preserve nature, you know. Lower taxes Maybe no government, not less government. Maybe no government at all. And he can wail on his guitar. He wails, though. I mean, I saw him at Madison Square Garden when now I was a kid. Now we're getting to the crux okay? of it. Really. He plays that gigantic. Now we to the crux of why I mean, you think about that Birdland guitar he's got. That's thing. It's the size of an acoustic. It's an electric. He uses a Force Fender Super Twins on stage, stands on top of them like, whoa, it's awesome. John, should we tell him? What? Your street cred today rose a little bit. With yeah. J.J. Watt. Somebody found J. J. out that Watt that was guitar was John's yours. John's chair about an hour or so ago. He had to record some things. Mm-hmm. And as he was walking out, he's like, whose guitar is this? I said, it's Vandermeer's. He's like, he plays a guitar? I'm like, yeah. Really? You just he went up pretty power impressed. rankings. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You did. Pretty impressed. This is good. Yeah. So go number five. All right. So last num- pick. So I- And you've got your football pick. is out of the way. You yeah. already picked your football pick. I feel like I have to pick another athlete here. Okay. I feel like um, – I mean, I really want to pick Evil Knievel. That's that's legitimate. You could? And I think I will, you, because he wore the right. red, white, and blue, and it's a dated reference, okay? But Evil Knievel, kids. Death was, like if All right, guys, you know the people in our department, right? If I say to Jesse Clark and Tyler Sutarth, if I say, who's no. Evil Knievel, are they going to know? I think Jesse would know. Maybe. These guys are, by the way, 25 and less, okay? Yeah. Their ages. But Evil Knievel but was this, a stunt motorcycle Rider we'll in the seventies, and he once tried to jump over the Snake River Canyon, which yes. is close to the Grand Canyon. And by that time, it wasn't a motorcycle anymore; it was like a small rocket, and that failed. It was like mm-hmm. a rocket with wheels. Uh, but he jumped over trucks and buses at Caesar's Palace in Vegas. He broke every bone in his body. He was an American icon for and a while. If something in the 70s. is all American. Breaking your bones is all American. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, so I'm, I'm picking now. You got your football. I got to get my football guy, but that's easy because I'm going with a guy who I actually got to produce an interview of him, and it was the first televised interview of this guy in 20 years. I know who it is. The first Monday Night Football commentator, a 1966 NFL MVP, a former SMU Mustang, uh-huh. Dandy Don Meredith. This Something guy good. Yeah. could walk into a party Mark's throwing, could mark in a, walk into a party you're throwing, yep. John, could walk into any of the parties. Any of you listeners out there, and I don't know you, but he could be the life of any of those parties. He's that cool. He's a really cool guy, Don Meredith. All right. All so, American dude. That's Turn out good. the lights. Now, I 
I'll show you. I can show you my. These are the these are the guys that I have not. I came up with <laughs> that, that are not going to be my fifth pick. Undrafted free agents yeah. in the All American Dude Draft: Jack Lambert, Mean Joe Green, mm. Mike Tyson, Steve Austin, Greg Lloyd. Remember him with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I just kind of felt like Bear Bryant. He it was down to Char- Charlie Benaric, Bear Bryant, Dirty Harry, Rocky. I thought about Watt, and then I did pick Charlie Benaric. So that leads me to this last one, and I know some of you look at me like, "Wait, what?" I'm taking Willie Nelson. That's pretty good. Because I, I, he's third on my list. He was like the third name I came up with. And then you took Ted Nugent, and I was like, oh, no. This feels like a pick you would have made, Drew. Willie Nelson? So I got a little yeah. worried about it. So we I'm saw taking... Willie Nelson last year at the rodeo. He's got arm hairs older than all of us. <laughs> and he he's always wearing an American flag, red, white, and blue. I, yeah. Uh, I'll also, go with it. Also receiving votes but not making the final cut, Dirty Harry. Yeah, Drew. that's what I have. George Washington, Nolan Ryan, John Wayne, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Chris Christie. I was going to say John that John Wayne. Wayne is the biggest omission of all of us. Yeah, that's all a right? huge one. This is like Tom Brady sliding to the sixth round when you yeah. talk about all-American dudes draft. You could not get any more American than John Wayne. This much is true. Now, another name that didn't get brought up but was on my board, and I thought about it, J.J. Watt. Talk about all-American dude. There's no question J.J. Watt would be on that list. That was fun. It was a good time. Now, let's get caught back up with a couple of Texans that will play vital roles for the 2018 team. Will Fuller and Bernardrick McKinney. They both were under the spell of D.P. Sidhu. It's her deep slant interviews with Will Fuller and Bernardrick McKinney next on a July 4th edition of Texans All Access. One final segment of our Texans All Access Summer Celebration on this July 4th holiday evening. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And it's time to catch up with a couple of vital pieces for the 2018 season. 2016 first-rounder, Will Fuller. 2015 second-rounder, Bernardrick McKinney. Two guys, when they walked in the building, and they seemed a little quiet. Now, Will is quiet, doesn't like to talk to the media, but when he does, and he talks to DP... He's fantastic. I had a couple time in post-game interviews, and I love him. And he's great. I think he is going to be a key piece of this offense, no doubt about it. Let's catch up with Will Fuller on the deep slant interview with DP Sidhu. I think everybody thought that you were going to come back, and it was going to take a while for that chemistry to sort of develop. And then Bill O'Brien said that when you were working your way back from the surgery, there was a lot you couldn't do, but one thing you could do was run routes. That's something that the trainers allowed you to do. Walk us through that process when you're back on the field with Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like uh, Coach Ob said, just you know, as soon as I was able to start running routes, that was something important that me and Deshaun had to you know get done just uh, on our own time. Uh, so the timing, you know, it wouldn't take that long. You know, it's it, it wasn't game speed, but you know, it, it helped us a lot. Um, just getting those getting those little sessions in before I could start practicing and stuff. I was surprised to see you back in West Virginia so soon. Like you were back there maybe the next week mm-hmm. or so. You went right back out there. So you were there at part of camp. You just couldn't really do anything. Yeah, I couldn't do anything. Yeah, they, I had my surgery uh, immediately. You know, I think the next the next morning, yeah, they, the surgery went great. And, you know, I was just back in uh, West Virginia watching practice and, you know, just, you know, keep my mind in it. All right. So I know that we've talked about your speed. A lot of fans were excited for you to come back because of your speed. And 
how you stretch the length of the field. And I know your teammates are excited to have you back too. But I found it really interesting. You have said this a couple of times, and I never really got to ask you. You said that you got your speed in college. Like, you were not fast before college. I don't understand how speed just sort of shows up one day. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess people, a lot of people think I'm playing about that. But, you know, I, I, I really never looked at my, myself as a fast receiver in, in high school. Even just looking back at my highlights, you know, it's, sometimes I got caught from the back and, you know, uh, I guess things changed in, in college. You know, once I got there, you know, the the, the, the weightlifting program was different. So I, I'm guessing that helped me a lot, you know, get my legs stronger. But, um, yeah, I, I really base my, my receiver skills off, you know, how I ran my route. So I guess that's why, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good route runner. And, uh, you know, the speech has helped me a lot now. What are some things that you want to get better at for yourself? What, what are some things that you, you really want to improve as uh, far as just, your game? Yeah, just uh, playing strength. So, um, you know, I'm not getting, you know, rerouted at, at the line as much. And, um, you know, uh, I get, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing, just playing strength. You know, I want to play a lot stronger. So, you know, it makes it easier for me in a lot of phases of the game. All right. You're Will Fuller the fifth. I lied. I have one more question. Will Fuller the fifth, and people forget the five. So how does everybody keep everybody apart in your family? Like, is it Will? Is it Billy? Do you have a different nickname? Uh, well, super my, important yeah, question. I have grow, to get to growing this. Growing up, they they called my dad Bill, and um, my 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 grandpa and uh, my great grandpa they they lived they didn't they didn't live in Philadelphia. They lived in D.C. So I wasn't around them a lot, so it wasn't a lot of confusion. But <laughs> as I started getting older, me and my dad used to get get on uh, flights together, and it was always a problem. So that's when I started, you know, uh, using the V a lot more. So it wasn't like a, a big deal, you know, getting on plates and stuff like that. So it, it became, he was he was four and he you was were, four you and were I v. was five. Yeah, yeah, but we I never, you know, I never really used the V. So I, it was some issues growing up. And and you think you'll keep it going? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm keeping it going. You're yeah. gonna keep it going yeah, if yeah. if there's a if there's a potential Will Fuller six, definitely, it'll happen. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like breaking <laughs> news right here on Texans Radio. All right, thanks so much, Will, and best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Maybe one day in the near future you will see Fuller VI on the back of his jersey like you see Fuller V on the back of Will Fuller the fifth jersey, number 15 for you, Houston Texans. Now, a guy that made some news this offseason by signing a contract extension to stay a Texan for the foreseeable future is Bernardrick McKinney. He also, a man of few words, so to speak, off the field, on the field, he'll talk, he'll lead, he'll do whatever he needs to he is a fun guy in the locker room. He is a fun guy to have around, and he has taken over really as the defensive leader, the vocal defensive leader for sure on this 2018 Houston Texans defense. He also caught up with D.P. Sudo in a deep slant interview last fall. Busy week for you, but first got to start with saying you're amazing on Instagram. I think anybody that's on Instagram that's not following you is like really missing out. Your pictures, your videos – uh, you do a tremendous job. You seem like you're having a lot of fun. Yes. I love your videos. I love, I think you had Dylan Cole singing, yeah. one of the rookies. Yeah. And, I mean, he was fine. He was doing 50 cents uh, in the club. But your your laughing was so <laughs> hilarious. Like, yeah. I just love that you don't even care. You're just, like, openly laughing at him. Yeah, I like to have fun. I'm a <laughs> very fun person. Uh, I like to crack jokes. So, I mean, I don't, I don't like the boring moments. So, I got to. When I when I do get bored, that's when I'm when I start to irritate people. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you we're definitely not bored watching your Instagram. You're having fun on the field too. You're asked to do a lot in this defense, but I want to know what's your favorite part of playing your position. Uh, my favorite part is just I mean we have a lot of fun on the field. I mean sometimes it can be mid play. Me and Brian Cushing we'll probably be laughing throughout the whole play. Like it, it's just fun playing with these guys. Me and Wit uh, after a play, 
I mean, we'll do something stupid. I'll probably trip and fall or something, and we'll laugh about it. I mean, it's just a brotherhood. We just like to have fun on and off the field. All right, everyone knows about the pass rushers on this team. They're talking about Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, Clowney. But offenses can't really sleep on you either. Bill O'Brien talked about how you've done a really good job of taking advantage of your one-on-one matchups uh, when those guys are double-teamed. So how have you worked on your pass rush skills? Pass rush, is it's really hard. It looks easy. It's uh, really hard. Uh, Bobby is always working with me with pass rush. I always ask with some pointers on how to pass rush. But, I mean, it's kind of hard because, I mean, offense, because they're game planning on guys like J.D., J.J., and Witt, and they kind of, I guess, sleep on me or whatever. And I just – they call me the cleanup, man, because <laughs> I, they, they do all the work, uh, doing a tremendous job of getting to the quarterback, quarterback and I just – clean up the, the leftovers and try to uh, get what I can get. But you must love that, the fact that you aren't getting those double teams sometimes and that you can take advantage of those one-on-one matchups. You you probably are enjoying it while you can, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, we joke. they joke joke on me every day saying like how they, they pass rush and stuff like that, trying to teach me how to pass rush. But after the Bengals game, I, I joke with them a lot saying, uh, let me teach y'all a little pass rush. Let me <laughs> teach y'all something. Let me show you how it's done. Yeah, but no, they, we got great pass rushers, J.J., uh, like I said, J.D. and uh, Will, they do, they do a tremendous job getting to the court. How much more preparation or instinct is involved when you have to face a guy like Tom Brady? Uh, he's a great quarterback, hands down. He's, he's a great quarterback. But we're just going to play our style of defense, just game plan, and just fly around and just play Texas football. All right, so how about when you faced him as a rookie? Like, what were your thoughts? Uh, were you a little starstruck? <laughs> what was that like? Uh, it was, it was kind of crazy. Uh, I was kind of nervous going into the game. Yeah, I mean, being a young guy, playing with Tom Brady on Madden, a lot of guys looked up to Tom Brady or whatever. But so you were like playing him on Madden, and now here you yeah, are in real life. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of it was kind of crazy. I was kind of nervous, but I mean I, I mean I went I mean I just went out and just played my game and just got over there real quick and just had fun playing. Bill Belichick was asked about you on a conference call. He called you an outstanding football player. He said the Patriots did a lot of work on you coming out of Mississippi State, and that really there just aren't a lot of linebackers like you in the league. I mean, he just went on and on in his praise for you. What does that mean coming from a coach that's probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach one day? I mean, that means a lot coming from any coach. Uh, he's a great coach. He, he did a great – I mean, he's doing a great job with the Patriots. But like I said, it, it means a lot hearing from other teams that talk good about you. And I just got to get praised to my linebacker coach in college and NFL just doing a good job getting me ready for the games. All right, we're talking with Bernardrick McKinney here. All right, your son recently turned one. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thanks. What are you like as a dad? Are you uh, just as fun as a dad as you are a player? Uh, I kind of be tired when I get home, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, his mom does a great job. Uh, praise to her, but yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a kind of funny person. I still I prank, uh, prank her a lot all the time. I got to you prank with, her. Yeah, I prank her a lot. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my son, he's he's growing up fast, uh, big. Just started crawling. He used to do the army crawl. Whatever, oh yeah. So he just started crawling. Clean so. the floor like a Swiffer, yeah, right? Yeah, he's yeah. always he, he's into a lot of stuff now. He started crawling, so trying to get him to start walk. I don't know when that's gonna happen, but. He's got a pretty good head of hair already. Oh, yeah. He came out with a lot of hair. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can see where he gets that from. (laughs) So he's got his own Instagram account? Yeah. And that's – what's he like on Instagram? Um, I let his mom work that. I created the page, (laughs) but I let his mom work uh, work the Instagram account or whatever. He got a few pictures up there. Yeah, he's got a pretty active account. He's probably more active than, like, 90% of the people walking (laughs) around the planet. Yeah. All right, so some of the younger players on the team, we talked about Instagram earlier with uh, Dylan Cole, but in all seriousness, Zach Cunningham and Dylan Cole, what sort of advice do you give to the younger players that are playing around you? Uh, just take the coaching. 
accept the criticism from the coaches and just just have fun and just uh, go back to trying to play like they played in college so they can have the confidence to uh, play each game and just fly around. And how about for yourself, when you go back and look at what you were able to do last year, what is it that you want to do better? Just getting everybody lined up and just getting the play call in so everybody else can play fast and just get all adjustments situated and just keep everybody on a high tempo and just keep everybody going throughout the whole game. All right, Bernardrick McKinney, thanks so much for joining us, Bernardrick. Right, thank you, too. And there you have it, the July 4th Texans All-Access Summer Celebration Show in the books. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks to Brian Peters. To BMAC, Bernardrick McKinney, Will Fuller, D.P. Sidhu, Mark Vandermeer, and Drew Doherty for all joining me tonight. Tomorrow, well, we'll hear from Brad Seeley, special teams coordinator, Roland Ramirez, and we'll have some great stories from the booth and the sideline with Mark Vandermeer and myself. We'll see you then, everybody, and as always, thank you so much for listening, and go Texans.